It's good to be here at St. George's Church today. Good for us to be gathered for the worship of Almighty God. What a blessing. Uh, Good for us to be in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ who is risen from the dead. And good for us also to have this opportunity to connect on the occasion of the bishop's annual visitation. I'm mindful today that it has been a couple of years since the bishop's last annual visitation, uh, though I've not been a stranger uh, to St. George's in this, uh, this kind of strange year that we've had uh, this, uh, this past year, uh, having been here for uh, a couple of confirmation sessions back in the fall and uh, also here for the blessing of Legacy Hall and your new worship space. Uh, in the spring. Uh, so it's, it's uh, good to have this opportunity, though, to connect on the occasion of a bishop's annual visitation. I'm so grateful uh, to you all at St. George's for your leadership in our diocese. I'm grateful to uh, Colin and your clergy here at St. George's for uh, not only their, their uh, their faithfulness, but also creativity and flexibility in what truly must be an extraordinary year in the life of the church. Grateful to them for that, as well as if that weren't enough, also gracefully managing a clergy transition here at St. George's. When it rains, it pours, doesn't it? But anyway, I'm incredibly grateful to them uh, for their leadership, here at St. George's and also more widely in our diocese uh, for each of them in a number of important ways. And then also grateful to your vestry for its leadership and its good stewardship of the resources that have been given you all here at St. George's Church for the mission and ministry of the church. Grateful for that leadership in the mission and ministry of our diocese Uh, grateful to the vestry, and uh, also grateful to your staff here at St. George's and to the many volunteers who really move forward the ministry of a congregation like St. George's. Uh, Now, I'm also grateful to you all uh, for your leadership. You may not think about yourselves as leaders, but I'm here once again to tell you that you are all leaders at St. George's, by your prayers and your presence here today, you are making it possible for us to be the church and gathered here for worship. What a blessing that is, one I think that we won't be taking for granted anytime soon, I hope. Uh, But by your prayers and presence today, you all are making it possible for us to be the church, and that is an outstanding act of leadership. I'm so grateful to you all for that, that wonderful gift and for your hospitality today as well, so gracious. Uh, Truly, it is good for us to be together here at St. George's Church today. From our gospel reading this morning, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The celebration of Jesus' resurrection from the dead can't be contained in a single day. It's too mind-bending, life-changing, awe-inspiring 
to be checked off quickly on a calendar before moving on. Easter, been there, done that. It doesn't work that way in the church. So the church gives us the Easter season so we won't move on so quickly. Fifty days concluding with Pentecost next week, 50 days in which to reflect on the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection. So that's where we are now in the church year with this extraordinary opportunity still remaining before us. We've been given 50 days to linger on what it means for us, that resurrection, and 50 days to go deeper because 50 days is hardly enough to explore what Jesus' mind-bending, life-changing, awe-inspiring resurrection means for our lives. During this season, our readings from St. John's Gospel amplify the message of Easter Day. Today in our Gospel, Jesus prays for the disciples. This is pretty much what our reading is. It's part of Jesus' extensive prayer to the Father for the disciples. So we're listening in. Jesus prays for those disciples, interceding for them and pointing them in a direction. That direction is not specific, you know, north, south, east, or west does not include an itinerary, go here, stop, go on to this next place, turn left, turn right. It's not specific in that sense. Rather, it's simply outward into the world. As you have sent me into the world, Jesus prays, so I have sent them into the world. Furthermore, To go on this mission to be sent, to follow in Jesus' footsteps out into the world, the disciples will need to ask God's protection. So Jesus prays, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. Finally, Jesus has given the disciples not only a mission, but a message. So he prays, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. The name is the message. And more about this in a moment. First, let's consider the world, which gets quite a lot of mention in Jesus' prayer. Practically every other word. So let's consider that world. The world is, first of all, God's orderly and ornamental arrangement of things. The cosmos, or world in which we live. God's orderly and ornamental arrangement of things. This is the world you see when you look out your window or walk in your garden 
or encounter on the way when you go to work or school. That's the world. It encompasses the uh, peonies in your garden. Mine are pretty great this year. I hope yours are too. Uh, it includes the car in your driveway uh, and the faraway Taj Mahal, you know, the most beautiful thing you can think of, whatever it is. It includes all of this, everything. That's the world. It's everything that has been made by divine or human hand, include, including you and your neighbors, also part of the cosmos. And it includes the world that we've created, the world wrought by human hands. It includes everything. It's also the world for which Jesus laid down his life. Same word, the world. It's not just stuff, pleasing or not, but it's charged with moral significance. Earlier in John's Gospel in the third chapter, we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. John chapter 3. For God so loved the world. Same word. In other words, the world is not just an orderly and ornamental arrangement of things, but it has eternal significance. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's the field of human redemption, the world. It's the place where the battle is fought. It has moral significance. In that sense, the world is not just stuff, but it matters. It matters enormously in that God gave his only son for it. So therefore, going back to our prayer, Jesus says, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. In John's gospel, the world is not morally neutral, just stuff, but it's actually enemy-occupied territory. That's what C.S. Lewis calls it in his book, Mere Christianity, enemy-occupied territory. You know he had in mind uh, occupied Europe during the Second World War. Enemy-occupied territory. Sinful humanity is complicit in this fallen world. We're complicit. We're not just, you know, being manipulated by something else. We're complicit. Because that world is the world we've wrought. It's the, 
the world we're responsible for as people. It's a complex, beautiful, compromised, and even perilous place. In short, the world, and we ourselves as part of it, are in need of redemption. We need some help. And so, while the disciples are on their way in this world, they will need to look to God for safety. They are in the world, as Jesus says in our gospel, they're not being abstracted out of it. This is the world they live in, the world we live in. They are in the world, as Jesus says, yet they do not belong to the world. It's because of the world's need for redemption that Jesus himself has been sent into the world by his Father to live and to die and to rise again. Because Jesus is sent, so are we. Again, as Jesus prays in the prayer, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The word sent is also the root of the word apostle, one who is sent. It's the very nature of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church that we talk about in the creed in its very nature to be sent as Jesus was sent. It's in its very nature to get moving, to be on a mission. It's this movement, after all, this movement out into the world that led to the founding of St. George's Church. It just looks like it's been here forever, but actually it's part of this movement. Uh, the building of Legacy Hall, uh, the refurbishing of your sanctuary. All of these tools of God's mission that we, in turn, are carrying forward. Finally, I promise to get back to this, Jesus has given us a message wrapped up in God's name. What's that all about? Remember, he says, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. In Jesus Christ, God has revealed himself. God has made known something that was unknown before. In John's gospel, so often, this something is called God's name. In Exodus, God revealed his name to Moses as I am who I am. Not giving much away there. I am who I am. In John's gospel, Jesus tells the people in the eighth chapter, before Abraham was, I am. Or again, still in the eighth chapter, 
when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will realize I am. In other words, Jesus himself is the message. Jesus himself is the name. Jesus, through his birth, his coming into the world, his death, his resurrection, Jesus has made something known about God's identity that was not known before. The human face of God, the love of God incarnate in Christ, the new hope of resurrection life. In our gospel today, Jesus prays for his disciples because he knows we have a message and a mission for the world. Because the world is a complex, beautiful, compromised, and even perilous place, he prays for our safety. Jesus is a serious intercessor so we can have confidence. Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead, new hope for the world, a mind-bending, life-changing, awe-inspiring reality that God invites us into in this holy season. And now to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us ascribe as is most justly due all might, power, majesty, and dominion this day and forever.